everyone. I'm gonna do a short one. Uh, this is a bonus, I guess. I, I wanted to do the NXT and Impact recap, and that's about it. I'll do Discord for the other podcast. You know. Caps quickly. Uh, I'll cover the opening match and main event right away because it opened with Trick and Mello versus Corbin and Braun. The opening match was really good. I figured Trick would win one of the matches, but he actually lost both. But by the end of the night, he looked like a star. And the turn did happen. You know what I mean? Mello did the, sa- did the same way that MVP did when he finally turned on Matt Hardy, which is a good callback. I don't know. How, it probably went over a lot of people's heads because that was a long time ago, but that was... A really, really good angle the way, you know, that's one of MVP's best storylines with Matt Hardy. Melo did the, um, yeah, so again, but I'll get into it. But, um, again, I tried to go move for move for move, but, you know, I ended up kind of doing more than I thought. But the opening portion of Dusty Classic was really fast-paced, um, you know, after, you know, after move after move, basically, they're doing one after another. Bronze power move into a cutter was done after each person did a, um, you know, um, one of their moves. Very impressive. The heels had control over Melo for a bit. Braun was being more cocky and doing push-ups after, you know, some of his moves. Corbin and Braun did an assisted power slam. Were looking impressive. Trick got the hot tag out a bunch of scissor kicks and flapjacks. And he tweaked his knee, which would play a role later on, obviously. Melo did a spring senton and a spring moonsault onto Corbin. Melo Trick worked like a well-oiled machine, basically. I found it really impressive with how... Rapid there. Braun almost got his head taken off by running the fucking ropes, man. That guy better be careful. Braun pressed Mello and threw him into Trick, who caught him, and then Braun got a fuck, got Trick uh, with the release German while he had Mello in his arms. It's pretty fucking good, man. You know, Braun hip tossed Corbin onto Trick and Mello outside. Braun, I mean, Braun was like one of the people that are impressing me the most. Corbin got both of them for a deep six. Braun did a diving sent onto the outside from the top onto 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 both of them on um, both baby faces. I thought the sequence was cool. Melo did uh, nothing but net, but Corbin caught him, and Melo escaped and let Trick get a running neck breaker. Melo was uh, the legal person, but I think Trick forgot that he, I think Trick forgot at first that he avoided a spear, which then hit Melo, and then he was too late breaking up the count. And I, I, I wonder if that played a role in why Melo decided to turn on him, even if he was going to do it anyways. But this was a good match and uh, had a good ending to it. There was a, a back, back segment later on with them. And I knew Trick was not beating Ilya, but I was surprised that they went with Braun and Corbin because Braun is going to the main roster. I'm sure they'll get a tag match, tag title match out of it. I, I would have said maybe they win, but maybe they have Braun doing double duty for a bit. But this is a good match to open the show up with, you know. It's impressive. 
I think Braun and Corbin are, you know, are a good pairing, basically. I actually like this match a lot. Um, I like the overall story it told. I really thought it was one of the better matches on the show. This is the main event where, like, probably, uh, you know, the, like, like, my favorite matches, you know what I mean? Uh, the, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, um, and there's some decent matches in the middle, but this is one of my favorite matches on the card. People were invested into all the characters, especially Trick and Mello. So afterwards, Trick thought Mello took the spear for him, but I was sure that Trick got out of dodge of it not realizing that Mello was the legal man, unless this will be part of Mello's plan that he sabotaged them from winning, which would be stupid, I guess. I don't know. Mello said it flipped through, um, it slipped through his fingers, but Trick got this, and he had to slay the dragon, and Mello assumed that Trick would not want him out there, but Trick actually did want him out there for the match. As soon as there was a turn, he would cost him the match, but the heel turn happened afterwards. So the match definitely made Trick look like a star, though. Uh, I figured maybe Alien would lose the title because I don't know who else he could face that will be intriguing unless they, you know, bring in someone like Okada or some shit. I don't know. Um, but eventually the match got going with the lariat that Alien got on him when um, it was pretty pretty much even before that. Um, he gets a running boot. Alien maintained control um, even as Trick tried to fight back. Ilya got a German suplex outside and a Death Valley driver on the apron. He did a missile drop kick from the top as Trick entered in, and he gets a forearm to drop him. Trick eventually got him a good with the strike as he was fighting back, and it made Ilya take uh take it um take it to him even more. Ilya caught the spin kick and did a power bomb. Trick countered an H bomb and got a code breaker. Trick got some scissor kick and a flapjack like he did earlier in the tag match. It became a slugfest with counter, but ultimately Trick did a leaping la- uh, lariat. Trick did a bookend off the apron to the ground. Uh, that was pretty cool. Mello got into it with Ilya behind the rest back, and Ilya knocked uh, him into Trick. And Mello was concerned. Trick makes a comeback, does his own version of the H-bomb. Ilya cut off, um, cut it off, jump, the jumping knee, got a powerbomb, then the H-bomb. He does it from the middle rope, and Trick still kicked out, and that got people hyped up. Ilya missed a torpedo in Moscow, and Trick got a corkscrew kick for a near fall. Trick accidentally locked the referee into Mello, who was on the apron for some reason, and um, when he got the jumping knee, the ref was outside knocked out. But another one made the count with a near fall. Ilya got a running knee um, and another age bomb. Trick got his knees up to count uh, another age bomb from the top rope this time. Ilya did a torpedo mask out and won the match. It's not the most perfect match, but Trick looked like a fucking... He looked like he belonged and, uh, in the main event, and the crowd was hyped for whatever he did. They're invested into it. He looked like a star in the end of it, I think the match solidified him as a main event guy. And I wonder if Melo has the plan to turn on him the, like, the whole time, or was this was he legit mad and he kind of did it? You know, Melo gives Trick a pep talk about how they're, you know, going to be on top, and then all, this, all of a sudden he then chop blocks him um, behind, and then, um, like, you know, like, like I said, like, he did, like MVP did to Matt Hardy. He grabs a chair and he starts smashing his leg with it over and over again. He sat there while Trick is laying there, and the crowd chants, fuck you, Melo. This was good. It was clear Melo has been uh, the one who's been playing mind game, but is he going to play it off like he was genuinely supporting him and Trick failed? Did he mean to get knocked into the um, get knocked down a couple of times on purpose, or was that legit? I wonder what what the expedition will be like. Will he cop to attacking him, and he decided to strike after he made sure he didn't win? It was a good angle, and they built us up really well from the beginning of Trick and Mello's friendship, plus the storyline with Ilya, you know, um, going back to October. Now they got to build on the match for standing delivered. I wonder if it ends up being the ti- for the title, or if it'll just be a grudge match. I think it should definitely main event, even if it's no title on the line, in my personal opinion. 
I thought it was a good closing of the show. Trick looked like a star. And I wonder if Ridge is playing a part in this because I suspect that he was paid to take out um, uh, Trick. And then he didn't get the job done on Alia and it kind of took the plan out of control. I mean, this, this angle has my attention. The rest of the show was pretty decent. Not every match was super amazing, but the women's match and the North American telematch were probably the, the other ones that I really, really liked the most. The rest were short, but they are pretty decent. I thought Gacy and Jack was better than I thought it would be because they worked hard. And the, but the whole hardcore element of the Toy Soldiers is what takes me out with these kind of matches because it feels like SNL overproduced type shit. But you can't deny the intensity in the match. And Gacy was known for his ZCW shit, so it felt like he was in his element in this match. I guess we I cared about the character a little bit more, you know what I mean? Because I'm not sure what the character is. Dijak has been tolerable in his feud, so it helped me make this feud mean something, you know what I mean? Uh, the basic thing is Gacy will keep taking a beating and coming back with a smile on his face, is what I, you know, gathered. He dives over the top rope, which is pretty cool. He did a cannonball off the steps on Dijak, who was seated on a chair. He then brought Toy Soldiers, and I really thought he was going to make each one stand because he did that with the first two or three. And I was going to groan even more because how would you hold off Dijak while doing this? But thankfully, he just dumped the rest of it on the table. Dijak escaped trying to be put through the table. He dominated. He kept kicking Gacy down with a trash can over his head, and Gacy kept sitting up, which I found kind of funny. Gacy used a trash can... Um, to his advantage by battering, ramming him as Dijak uh, ran towards him. Gacy did a really good Yurinagi for a near fall. One of the best spots was Dijak springing in the ring, but then Gacy knocks him off the ropes, and Dijak flies onto the table with the toy soldiers. They should have just had a plain table, but that was pretty impressive. Dijak got back up, and he got a chokeslam, kind of moved into a chair um, in the ring. He got a release German from the top, and then they overshot the landing because Dijak just kind of barely got the garbage can. Gacy used a kendo stick over and over again. Dijak couldn't uh, make it count, uh, make the count because he had duct tape over his eyes after he nailed the feast your eyes, which is a pretty unique spot. I felt like you didn't need to do the comedy, but this one actually is a unique one, and it kind of throw back to the blindfold match kind of a routine. You know what I mean? Uh, Dijak um, is upside down in the corner. You know, as Dijak took off his uh, no, sorry, Gacy was upside down in the corner as Dijak took off the duct tape. Um, you know, the, the, the blindfold. I mean, which is kind of, you know, amusing, I guess. Casey got a splash on Dijak from the top. Um, it ended rather abruptly with uh, Feast Your Eyes, and that was it. It was a fun, but nothing super great. I'll say this makes me a bit more interested in Gacy to some extent, but I've gone through that multiple times during his run. But I can say at least, um, out of this character, um, you know, I can at least feel out what this character is supposed to be in practice, I guess. They got people going with the spots, but it basically was a typical WWE hardcore match, but there was some good intensity there. I'm sure the match, uh, the few will continue. I'll go through some of the non-wrestling segments that I just pop compiled on to this one here. Throughout the evening, you saw Chase Ustoff with JC Jane and others doing autographs for the calendars. We will see more throughout the night. Riley then asked uh, Thea out for Valentine's Day. Typical sitcom awk awkwardness, but Thea was playing it cool, was trying to hold back. Riley and Alexa then brawled when he tried to be rude later on. Those were brief, these were brief and inoffensive. We saw Kiana and Tiffany going through scouting and shit-talking other talent while looking at the laptop. I feel like they're, they're going to be kept there for a bit, even though she Tiffany's with SmackDown. I guess some of the talents will be finishing time on NXT before a clean break, I assume. They want to target the up-and-comers, even if they're paying attention to Lyra and Roxy. There's a vignette about three faces. Uh, people assume it's a Japanese talent, and it's... It got awkward on Reddit because people thought it could be Bo and Chen and someone else had to point out that it was Japanese, right? Not Chinese. 
So, you know, the, 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 you know, this, whatever ignorance is like, you know, like, I don't think the person calling out was like being rude, but then, you know, people got, people got like, um, super intense about like, well, got defensive, instead of just saying, okay, I made a mistake and I, you know, I, I, you know, didn't realize that Boa and Chen are Chinese and this is Japanese, but it turned into a whole ass argument. Um, people think it could be Akata, people think it could be Julia, some people can think it could be Tomatonga, who knows. It could be someone else who, you know, is being reintroduced. Some people think it's um, Bo Dallas, maybe. I mean, people even said Foley since, you know, he won the last match and he, he has three faces, but I don't think it's him. But by the way, he wants to lose 100 pounds and do another death match. I'm sure, like, it won't happen officially under WWE's banner. Maybe he'll probably go to, like, you know, maybe like a, like he'll go to a Japanese promotion maybe to do it. Or maybe he'll do it in AEW, because I don't know. I don't know. Then we saw Brin, um, then we saw Brindley um, uh, with Edris and Malik doing their list of five things, positive and negative, then Nathan asks him to interrupt. And Nathan's negative about it, and he brings up doing hard, he goes, should I give you some hard-hitting truth, and asks him to, asks him to really care for like, the, you know, the whole spiel of that. And then Brindley suggested a match on NXT on Tuesday. And then uh, Ava hinted that there will be a big announcement for the next PLE after standing deliver. I don't know what it was, but, you know. I thought the family versus OTM was decent. I still think OTM, OTM are a little green, but I would say, for me at least, the highlight was Adriana Rizzo in this match. She has a lot of potential. The family attacked OTM from behind. Rizzo and Jada started off, and they did a decent job mixing up. Bronco and Tony mixed up before Stax and Tony did some double team. All the baby faces did the hockey fight routine. There are a bunch of cannonballs in the corner from the baby faces. The heels had control over stacks for a good portion. Even scripts got involved outside. They did the assistant power slam. Tony got a bunch of variations of suplexes. Larry gets in a DT and a spine buster. Jada slapped Tony. Rizzo takes care of her when Tony, uh, you know, shouted her out, you know. Shut it at her, not, not you know, not shut it out. Tony launched stacks onto the pile. Rizzo did a massive cross by to the pile outside. It was good distance. Tony got his choke slam, spine buster, and then his finisher that looks like a fisherman suplex for the win. Decent match, not the best match, but the family has become pretty decent, stable, and they were over and they have a good routine to their sequences. You know, OTM are still a bit green, but they have potential. You know, Rizzo is pretty good. It might be an over-the-top stable, but they can bring it... I mean, they can bring it in the ring. I mean, this is not the best match, but it was enjoyable. I'm sure, you know, Baron and Braun will challenge them for the titles. I wonder if they win it, and then... I don't know. I would have been sure, but Braun's also the main roster. I'm not so sure now. I don't know. Roxy and Lyra was decent, pretty good. It was probably my second best match on the show. Lola crashed, uh, cashed in during the match to make it a triple threat. She didn't win, but I guess, like, you know, uh, inserting herself makes her stand out. But I was certain she would win. Lyra didn't uh, turn heel. She did uh, um, retain. Feels like Roxy and Lola, uh, Lola are going to spin off in their own feud. But the opening sequence, was, opening sequence was pretty good with the wrestling spiel. I don't think the match really needed the cash-in. But the, the two babies had a good exchange, which that led to a stalemate. Roxy got to hear us. Lyra got did a, a bull hammer to counter the suicide dive. She does a baseball slide. Roxy does a thence press on the top. She did a double spring moonsault. Um, Lyra got a, a high angle suplex. Lyra dumps Roxy on her head with a German suplex when she countered one of her kicks. When Roxy did a super run on the pop rocks, Lola decides to cash in and she drops Tatum, who was trying to stop her. Lola was trying to get quick pins. But she countered a pop rocks and chokes Roxy, but Roxy ended up getting a pin attempt. But she got dropped from a spring kick. 
Lyra dives off the top to break the submission up that Lola was doing. Lyra fends them off, but Lola got quick but a plethora of kicks to both of them. Like, you know, like, you know, machine gun kicks, basically. She did multiple hip attacks, misses Roxy, and Roxy got able to get a Russian leg sweep DT combo on both. She toped it out to Lyra and then Lola. Lyra rolled uh, through uh, from a crossbody and got a sit-out power bomb-like move. Lola tried to steal the pin. Lola got a spinning back elbow, really fucking rough, and tried to uh, try to armbar, but Lyra ended up getting a spin kick. Roxy tried to get a pin attempt. Roxy went for the pop rocks in the corner, but Tatum got involved when she missed Lola with the clothesline and collided with Roxy and then let Lyra get the um, night wish for the win. The commentators acted like Lyra may not have known about this, but I'm thinking she'll eventually use this to her advantage, and she'll actually become heel. But I also uh, could see her, she remains baby-faced as she feuds with Tatum, I guess. Later on, you saw Lola and Roxy brawling that had to be pulled apart. So even if Lola didn't win, I would say getting a feud with Roxy is still pretty good. It makes her up her game, and she will, you know, she was good in this match when she was in there with, with people who could go, really, but... I would say this is one of the better matches on the show. They did a good job with how they laid it out. And I'm liking Lara's title reign thus far because she's brought up with the promos in recent memory to some of these segments. And she, is, uh, she has a Tatum storyline plus having good matches. At first, I didn't think it was starting off hype, but I felt like, and I felt Tiffany should have won it back. But this reign has uh, um, kind of like, you know, it's been getting better now. And Roxy's character is always kind of compelling now. Since she's kind of, like, you know, been snapping a, a lot lately. So, this continues that, I guess. Oba and, uh, Oba and Dragon Lee had a good match. It was Oba just beating the fuck out of him for the most, you know, for the most part. You, count, you know, the guy, the guy should be champion for a long time. Dragon took the fight to him and Tope's out on him. But Oba kept using his power to cut his momentum. But Dragon kept t taking the fight to him with quickness. And chopping him down, he did a diving stop, but eventually Obo has control. He did a typical power move with impact. He throws him around. Dragon did a get the octopus on him. Eventually, Obo kept powering back up, and he had he had to get to the ropes with his teeth. Basically, that was pretty cool. Dragon eventually gets a tornado DT, a running kick. He kept uh, doing repeated drop kicks. He got a sit out power bomb from a corner. Oba swats Dragon Lee when he dives off the apron. Dragon counters a choke slam through the table with the DT on the floor. But o Oba did choke slam through the, one of the leather chairs. Oba tosses Dragon um, after back and forth, and he does a power bomb finish for the win. It's enjoyable, and they made uh, Dragon Lee look, look, look intense. But Oba played a good big man. I, I know you see those Oma, like the spots you kind of can see with Omas, but this guy's a lot more mo mobile, especially considering his size. Not to show on Omas because he looks like impressive in like the way they limit in the way they limit his presentation. But this guy is, is kind of has a giant vibe to him, but he's like a lot more mobile, I guess. And he plays the he plays like the he plays the Omas spots better than how Omas does it. I was just just saying, you know. He's impressive, though. I think they should give him the Goldberg-like push and just carry this title for, for a good while. I know this title always is iffy because they do transitional reigns at times, but I let, this, I let this guy have a good run with it. He was impressive. Overall, a decent show. I think the opening and closing matches were dope, and that's what defied the show for me while everything else was favorable in the reaction they got. I think the women's match was probably my other favorite match. Anyway, a good show. Uh, I'll go to Impact now. This is going to be short. This is probably be my shortest podcast, by the way. It's going to be like 25 minutes, maybe. I ain't doing any other discourse, but you know what I mean? So, I, you know. Maybe I can make this my shortest podcast ever. You know. Um, 
Nick Nemeth and Trey had a pretty good match. They had a good chemistry, but I really do hate uh, Nick Nemeth's finisher. I really think he needs another one, at least, or at least you use multiple finishers. You know what I mean? I do like the repeated elbows he does, like ten punches. You know they call the shot to the heart. I feel between the Rascals facing uh, Nick Nemeth the last few weeks and Macklin getting involved, will there be an alliance, like official alliance, eventually, or was this just meant to be? Filler? They did help beat down Nick after Macklin attacked afterwards. It would be it, it it would be random, but I think it could work because Macklin has shown he can carry promos. And he, his character has a mission statement, so maybe the next step is giving him his own stable. If he, since he's had alliances in the past with other people, but never a definitive stable. They ran to Mike Bailey backstage and talked shit to him, so they didn't make it seem like this could be a new stable forming. Maybe Mike Bailey will face one of them, I guess. Cody uh, Dieter cut a promo about the new era of TNA and how they need to regroup, and Conscious Flout said the design is dead. It's always the same bullshit about finding new people. And I'm glad someone said it, am I right? You know, uh, Dieter was not happy and Consa is dead because he says so. And it's time to find out who the baddest is. It felt like he was going to go off in singles, but he's still associated. I'll get into it later on. Decay uh, beat a team of unknowns just to get a victory and establish his team again. Masha and Kelly were watching backstage. Pretty short match. MK Ultra won the rematch, obviously, and Jody and Dan- Danny Luna coming to the shot and talk about being attacked after the match. So I'm sure they'll have another rematch with them, I guess. We had Alan Angels doing the sound check show, and it's backstage. Things are not working out properly like on purpose. The mic is too loud. Josh feels indifferent about being on. The cameraman focused on Josh's feet for some reason on an accident. Alan is playing the, like, playing the podcast host who doesn't know what to ask. And when he implies about having to step on toes to get where he is, Josh just says it's hard work, and Alan backpedals a little bit. I felt he was going to go toward the, oh, come on, Josh. We all know you have to sell your soul to the Illuminati to get where you are. Alan implied that he fucked someone over and then never mentions the name and Josh thinks he's crossed the line and leaves. And Alan's being self-aware about the show not going well while trying to um, hype us up for the second episode. I like this a lot. I like the disorganization of it. And it also kind of doing some of the reactionary tabloid level antics to get Josh to copy something or get mad. I think this is a, a winner and could add to storyline. That's what I look for in talk shows. You know what I mean? I know they're done, you know, they're just used as filler now and all that kind of shit. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of restoring uh, credibility to talk sh- wrestling talk shows. And, you know, and also pumping up wrestling managers' accolades and what they have accomplished in kayfabe, you know. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Myers and uh, Kevin Knight had a really good match. I was hoping Myers would win since this is a new stable he's with, and but it would be kind of shit if they are just in this group and Myers already had a loss, but he won with the roster cut. Kushida made the save when Eddie and Myers were going to attack, so I'm sure the tag match will be done at some point. Saban had a promo to address the promo from Ali referring to some of the X Factor, and he puts over Ali, and then Ali shows up on the screen. It's an ad needing to ch- of change from familiarity and something about you know, um, and and then also just you know, be the change you want kind of shit, like a presidential you know, uh, presidential fucking ad basically. The good hand show up and put over Ali for being the next champion, and Saban challenges Skyler to a match next week. Decent, you know. I wonder if Ali would, will actually win the title or if it'll just be a good match, but. I mean, he'll get a shot at No Surrender. I think the hype will mainly be video packages because he wasn't at the actual tapings or in the, for the in-ring portions. At least I don't remember. Kaz had a promo, and it was a good way to explain his actions to go over his career and the setbacks he's had, whatever. He said he's been asked all week why he attacked Eric Young. 
says that one year ago he came to TNA, he saved it, he says he's given everything to this company and this business, and he says now, and now he starts talking, um, and now he starts talking and he'll take what he wants. No, he starts he starts taking and he'll take what he wants. He says uh, he's seen people take opportunities they didn't deserve, and that and that has to stop. He says that he's been overlooked, and that has to stop. He says going forward, he has no desire to be a hero to the people because they only want to see the hero fail. And in this story, the hero needs to be a monster, and that's exactly what he's going to do. He says EY is the lifeblood of TNA, and he's been champion multiple times while he's been a soldier for the trenches. In the trenches, he says that the history doesn't remember soldiers; it remembers kings, and that's what he tends to do. He says none of these people mean a damn thing to him. He says EY means uh, um, it was a means to an end. He says he will not walk in the shadows, and that he'll walk a higher path. Since people have permission to, and you know, he says, uh, him and Daniel used to do, you have permission to worship us now. He says, you have permission to hate him now. And then, uh, yeah, he's been fast in this promo, though. I like this, man. You know what I mean? Like, I like this. I'm looking forward to this feud with EY, and I'm hoping this year he ends up getting a world title run somehow. He deserves it, you know. Alex Shelley, um, and then another thing was, uh, only thing that I'll say that's kind of random. I wish they had ran with the the EY Kaz storyline a little bit longer to get people invested into this before he does it. But I guess if like now you're ready to just go full full throttle with this character, I got no issue with it because Kaz has been fucking really good for so long. Uh, you know, you know, Alex Shelley had interaction with the system and talks about his rematch. Moose accepts and um, Shelley doesn't care because he already had the title match. And basically outnumber him. He explained that this is, um, and then they explained that the system works, and they'll show him how. So this will continue. They attack Ashita later on. Shelley came to make the save after you know after you know after after that. So the I guess this, this is how the system works. I guess I don't know. There's another Ash by Elegance vignette. Nothing much to it. Diener comes out for a promo. Diener says that he has to admit as of right now something something that he created is over. You know, he goes over, you know, the, the, creating the, uh, the violent by design, violent by design, the design's not working, whatever. The design is dead. So he admits it might be his fault. So he thought when violent by design was dead, he thought it could breathe life into it. He says when something is dead, it's never going to come back. And then PCO comes down and beats him in a match in a short time. Contacts him after this feud, and then I guess this will happen. You know what I mean? He laid him out. I'm sure a big hoss feud will happen as a result of this, and they'll do, like, hardcore shit, you know. AJ Francis goes over what happened on Explosion where Henry beat uh, Swan and then he tells um, him he needs he needs help and Swan doesn't want anything to do with this. And then Rhino walks by to AJ asks him if he needs help with the Steve, crazy Steve problem. Rhino tells him to go fuck off. That was funny. So Swan basically doesn't want anybody. Says he doesn't want anything to do with them. He goes and I don't think anybody is buying what he's selling. I believe he'll eventually turn heel or whoever AJ aligns with him will feel with Swan, but... They did have a Jordan Gray's introspective about the Rumble appearance. It was a brief one on it was a brief one on 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 the television, but they had an extended one, and it made it look good in this. You know what I mean? The, the online was the, the online extended one was pretty good. Good way to capitalize off the buzz. You know what I mean? And Grizzle Young Vets beat Ace and Bay Connection in the first match of the best of three. A really really good match. Go out of your way to watch it. Um, it was good to see Grizzle Young Vets back to what they do best, and not look like Sperm's version of Spy versus Spy. I imagine the third match will be at the pay-per-view. I would, me personally, I would let Grizzle Young Vets win. I need more Gibson promos, too, you know. I mean, I forgot how good he can be on the microphone. And that's it, man. Uh, 27 fucking minute promo. I gotta go back and see how long other fuck. I, I know I've had, like, 46 minute promo, um, uh, you know, podcast. 
This is gonna be the first one. I think people might be shocked and go, wait a minute, I don't think he added all the ele- I don't think he added all the parts into this fucking thing, but you know, guess what? That's what it is. I might as well just play a song to take us out, I guess, you know. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, let me see. I don't know, what should I play? I'll play the Ollie song, I don't know. I don't know, I like this song. You get me pumped up and shit. Will Ali win the fucking X Division title? By the way, uh, 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 I um, busted open's um, video reacting to the Cody and Rock shit. Guy Dave LaGreca, man, he he's wearing this pink robe, and his hair looks all dude. He looks like Sophia from Golden Girls. I, I I thought like someone were dude. I I don't know what what he's doing, man. I don't know. He looks like more over the top, like an overproduced like South Park character. I don't. Alright man, take it easy. I'll be back with more discourse in a week, I guess.